Welcome to More Than Amuse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Welcome back to More Than Amuse. We're so happy to have everyone here. Yes, we are. This episode has been a long time coming. It has. And I feel like the stars have aligned to make this perfect. If you're like a true Taylor Swift fan, you'll notice some little things that we mm-hmm. did here. It's our 13th episode. Yes. And this is being released on December 14th. Which is the day after Taylor Swift's birthday. <laughs> yes. So just a bunch of fun little things Yeah, there. when we realized that the 13th episode was going to be right after the 13th of december it was a, we had to we had to make this a taylor swift episode. yeah we had to do it <laughs> plus we've been wanting to do this episode since we started the podcast and we held off for a little yeah. bit you know we held off until it would be the perfect time to release it and this is it so i think we decided at the beginning of this podcast episode we are going to give a brief ranking of our taylor swift albums which is so hard. tough. It is hard. <laughs> I felt like I was choosing my favorite children. Because <laughs> yeah. if you haven't listened to the Fangirls episode, I feel like I should give a little bit of a disclaimer. We are both pretty big Taylor Swift mm. fans. I am a certified <laughs> Taylor Swift fangirl, if, you, if that's anything at all. I went to the Reputation Stadium tour basically on my honeymoon, so That's there's so my cool. fan badge of honor. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, she's incredible for so many reasons, which we'll go over, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're both pretty big fans. Yeah, our senior year together, 1989 came out. During our lunch break, we went to Target, got the albums, and just sat in the car and listened to it. So. Yep. <laughs> Taylor and like died. Bonding. <laughs> yes, and freaked out over hearing Blake's face and style and everything on that album. Oh my gosh. We bonded. We've always been bonding over Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. Do you know your ranked albums? Like, do you have this okay. all worked out? I do. I've thought about this so hard, but here is what I've come up with. And I feel like I'm going to have to really justify some of them, but, okay. but here we go. So bottom of the list is the debut taylor swift album Mm -hmm. i mean like there's some classics on there but overall there's just i skipped the most songs on debut yeah so there it is love it though okay my seventh one i i feel like this could be a controversial opinion but my seventh one is lover really yeah now listen i there's like three or four songs i like love on that album and are in my like top favorite taylor swift song like ever Mm -hmm. like cruel summer lover cornelia street like there's so many good ones but as a whole i just i don't love it i kind of skip a lot of the songs on there so i mean i still go back and i listen to it and i'll listen to it as an album but in comparison to all her other albums lover just doesn't do it for me like i thought that it did at first interesting yes so lover seven okay, okay. Now, this next like the next three spots is when it gets very confusing for me because i feel like it just depends but next i have speak now and then the, right after that i have fearless 
And then right after that is 1989. So I feel like, I don't know for sure. I feel like sometimes Fearless is above 1989. And I feel like sometimes Speak Now is above Fearless. I just, those three go hand in hand. But I think 1989 is the top. I love 1989. It's so good. It's just so good. I know. Agreed. And then my top three, Reputation, Folklore, and then my favorite is Red. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like Reputation being so high is not common, but I just loved that album so much. And I still go back and listen to it all the way through consistently. It's a good one. It definitely doesn't get enough credit. And Folklore, honestly, in like four or five years might end up being my favorite Taylor Swift album. But just right now, there's just a lot of like nostalgic feelings with the Mm. Red album. And that is why it will always have, at least for now, it's top place, my top place. No, that makes total sense. Um, I think mine's pretty similar. There's like a few differences. Um, yeah. So the Taylor Swift debut album is probably still my last. I love a lot of the songs on it. I just, nah, yeah, I, I, I don't, it. yeah, I don't think I've listened to it once on Spotify. Um, yeah. I listened to it a lot when it came out like on YouTube, but, um, yeah, haven't really touched it since. Um, these are where it gets hard really <laughs> with the rest of them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so difficult. Um, I would probably, I'd probably put Fearless next. Mm-hmm. and then speak now i love them both but it's kind of the same thing like early taylor swift is like wonderful but i'm not like a very big country person as much as i like love early taylor swift and i think that she's phenomenal and there's a reason she got famous it's just not the songs that like i don't go back to it to me yeah. yeah i don't put them on repeat i don't listen to them that often okay this is where it gets hard because this is where i like started like diehard listening to taylor swift yeah (laughs) and there's like a a few things about it that make it really hard to like figure out which ones top the others um honestly i would have put lover higher but after your comments i like went and looked at the songs and i actually skip a lot of them yeah that's how i am like i there's certain songs on it that i love 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 yeah as as a whole I don't, I think I, I don't know. Like Death by a Thousand Cuts. Come on. Yeah, I love that song. So amazing. And Lover, of course, is phenomenal. But yeah, I don't listen to all of them. Like London Boy, I think I only listened to it the once. It just, yeah. maybe if I loved someone that was from London, London? It, would, <laughs> I know. it would mean more. But, and me, I just, know. Yeah, so I think Lover would honestly be next. And then, then probably Red. This is hard because I love Red, but I think my top three would be Folklore, Reputation, and 1989 as the top one. Okay, so ours are pretty similar. Yeah. 1989, I just adore it. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> that whole era, that all the songs. like Yeah, and like so much of that could just be like, that's my favorite era of Taylor Swift. And mm-hmm. so it just like hits, right? Because it like... I loved the album design. I loved what she was doing with like all of her music videos and everything at that time. 
Blank Space is like hands down my favorite Taylor Swift music video that has ever been released. I think she was a genius in every single little decision she made. Yes, absolutely. And just that song is so good too. Mm -hmm. And I just love Reputation because of like the more... I really love beats in like music, like a good Mm -hmm. solid beat and she's got it in that. Yeah. And then Folklore, I really adore it, honestly. I know it's like my third... Yeah, mm-hmm. so three is folklore, two is reputation, and first is 1989. But I feel like it's just because I don't know it very well yet. Yeah, like I said, I feel like in four or five years, yeah. it might be my favorite. But I know, it could adjust. But I love what she did with it. Like, it was the perfect little genre to move into. It, like, fit perfectly with this year. So. Yep. And it was such a nice surprise. <laughs> I know. It was announced on my birthday. Which was just, oh, wow. Like, I woke up that morning and, you know, I have post notifications on for Taylor Swift. So mm-hmm. I had all these, like, Taylor Swift posted on Instagram. And I was like, oh, on my birthday. And then I opened it and I was like, like Jordan. Album. <laughs> I know. I was like, Taylor Swift is releasing an album. And he's like, you're lying. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, this is real life. Like, this yeah. is on my birthday. Happy birthday to me. We don't have to do anything else today. And it's a great birthday. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of shocking because she has pretty consistently only done one every two years. Two years. Yeah, I think like on the dot pretty much every two years in the fall is when she releases. So to have like Lover come out last year, none of us were expecting anything. And then she's like, surprise, I wrote an entire album in quarantine. Oh, And also too, I feel like (laughs) with the way she markets... Like, she plays the long game of, like, Mm -hmm. she sets up a theme and, like, markets it in, like, a very specific kind of way. So it was, like, this was very different that she, like, Mm -hmm. dropped it, completely changed her whole aesthetic, and then here we go. And there's so many things we could go into, like, if we really wanted to get, like, nerdy about branding, we could go into all of the things that Taylor Swift has done that are just, like... She's like a master class. Yeah, it's like the perfect way to do a launch, the perfect way to talk to your audience, the perfect Uh way to rebrand yourself. Like, oh my gosh, I could go on forever. And I feel like that's where so much of my respect is Mm -hmm. from her is not only is she like a phenomenal artist, like you can't deny that, but she also is just like one of the smartest businesswomen in like the music industry, if Mm -hmm. not the smartest businesswoman in the music industry at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just the way that she rebrands, I feel like every time it feels so seamless, but yet the shifts are so... Dramatic. Dramatic. I mean, like, it's obviously different and it's conscious, but it's, like, I think the way that she, like, rebrands herself, I feel like, in every aspect of her life. Like, I feel like you could look at a picture of Taylor Swift and obviously, like, kind of we all grow up and, like, go through phases. But it's like, oh, based off of her outfit choices and her hair, mm-hmm. we're in this era. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the album cycle we're in. I and even, I read an interview and she said she does it deliberately. She mm-hmm. will change her entire look because she wants to be able to look back and look at photos of herself and know what she was working on at that time. Yeah, and it totally comes across. Yeah, and they're dramatic changes, too. Like, this is not just, like, oh, I switched the way I part my hair. Like, Yeah. <laughs> she's changing, like, literally everything about her aesthetic, and, like, she isn't losing any fans. So yeah. I think that's, like, a cool lesson to, like, look uh-huh. into about, like, how to run your 
business honestly and like get loyalty but then also still change things up how you feel like you want to change things up mm-hmm. yeah because even like the tie from reputation to lover like it was pretty much like her wearing a lot of dark muted colors to all of a sudden she was wearing neon you know like yeah. she's wearing bright bright colors and it was just like oh yeah cool this like, is what oh, we're doing now new album yep exactly like we knew the new era was coming because she was wearing colors again so like what was happening oh man lover was great just because a lot of the hype yeah and excitement about it i agree i thought the hype of it was fun but the music wasn't just if her lead single would have been cruel summer i feel like it would have been much better oh yeah that is a good one that's one of my like holy trinity of Maybe even Taylor Swift songs ever, but we'll see. (laughs) Okay, well, should we jump into talking about... Let's. We're going to talk about her life today. We're going to give a brief breakdown through the labels. But then I feel like Taylor Swift also... She gets a ton of criticism, Mm -hmm. right? Some of it, I mean, like, is constructive. And I think it's important to, like, you know, maybe give to people who are in her position. But... As a completely unbiased person, (laughs) most of it is very, very unfair. And I think it also sheds a light on the way that, like, powerful women are kind of perceived and maybe tried to be brought down. Yeah, I guess, like, kind of a disclaimer. um, We're not just doing this episode because we love her. We we, we do, obviously. But I think that looking at Taylor Swift and a lot of that criticism, despite how successful she's proven over and over again that she is, and, like, it shows a lot of, like, the sexism and bias that is still in the music industry and, like, very deeply rooted within it, where um, a lot of the things that she gets criticism for are not things that men who do the same things get criticism for, if Absolutely. that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I think like that's especially why we're doing this is to like talk about this person that continues to set records over and over and over again, has done some things that have never been done before, and yet mm-hmm. continues to get like the same weird little criticisms that no other male artist would get. Totally. I second everything that mm-hmm. you just said. So let us start with Taylor Swift's timeline here. So Mm -hmm. she was born on December 13th, 1989, which is just a beautiful, important date because 13 is her lucky number. And then 1989 ended up becoming one of the best pop albums. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So good for her for like really just capitalizing on her birthday. Seriously. (laughs) And like making them so well known that like everybody knows. (laughs) Again, lesson in branding. (laughs) Everything is important. So true. Okay. And then she grew up on a Christmas tree farm in Pennsylvania. Which sounds so charming. I know. And she even sings about it on her Christmas song, Mm -hmm. which Which is just a great Christmas song. There is that. And then when she was super young, her family moved to Nashville so she could pursue songwriting like kind of professionally. And essentially, I feel like just like knock on the doors of record labels like yeah this is like actually a really crazy thing to me because I can't imagine as a parent being like oh my daughter really loves to songwrite let's uproot our entire family and livelihood and move so that she can do this more I know I completely agree 
and maybe that makes me a bad person. Then I'm like, I don't know if I'd be willing to do that for my kid. But <laughs> no, I feel like that's legit though, because it's like truth is, is you don't know if it's gonna be a phase. Mm-mm. You, you know, don't. Like, y- you don't know if this is something they really want to do, or if it's in a year they're gonna be bored, and then here you are, have uprooted your life. You yeah. know. No, it's really crazy. And I think it, like, there is a little bit of privilege here to acknowledge is that her family was pretty well off. And so this was something that they could do. Um, Mm -hmm. Most people could not just move (laughs) and dedicate their their 12-year-old daughter's dream or (laughs) 14-year-old, whatever. Um, So it does show that. But I think it also shows, like, she must have been extremely dedicated even from a very young age. Because, Mm -hmm. like you said, like, how would you know whether or not it would be a phase yeah um i think she must have proven that like this wasn't gonna change yeah and i feel like because i in her documentary that she has miss americana Mm -hmm. there's like all the clips of her as like a young girl like being like we're going to this record label today like they take they i feel like they took so many trips to nashville before like trying to find people trying to get her foot in the door and so yeah i feel like she must have proved herself of like no yeah i'm for real about this definitely but still, huge sacrifice and risk on her parents' yeah. part. <laughs> Absolutely. And very impressive. I know. <laughs> Believe honestly. in your children's dreams. <laughs> yeah. Uproot your whole life just to do whatever they want. I mean, it paid There's off. The yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it worked out great for them. So, <laughs> Okay, well, so she's in Nashville. And she, from what I understand, she performed at the Bluebird Cafe, which is like, songwriting paradise for country music i feel like my dream personally is to one day perform at the bluebird cafe wow huge deal for songwriters but she was discovered by scott brichetta okay yes i'm pretty sure i didn't know this fact actually about her playing at a cafe i just always assumed she just knocked on the right door one day so i mean like (laughs) that's the story that they tell so i'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But I also don't know how much of it was, like, maybe curated to be, like, wow, like, she's just, like, all these country songwriters. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. But essentially, Mm -hmm. she signed with Big Machine Records, who was a very brand new record label that she decided to believe in. Like, it was just right at the beginning. And here's where I want to acknowledge one of the very first criticisms of Taylor Swift is that... Her parents essentially bought her career because the fact is, is her family and her dad did invest in big machine records. Mm -hmm. Like there is some financial gain there for him with big machine records. And I think he funded it. And so a lot of people are like, oh, well, her dad funded the record label. That's why that's why they cared about her, you know? Yeah. And and here's the thing. Sure. Maybe. Big Machine Records, maybe they were like, okay, this guy is, you know, like maybe he is financing us in a certain way. So let's push his daughter because, you know, if he pulls, we're screwed. Maybe that was the conversation. But here is my counter. There are so many rich parents who have done something like this for their children. Like, there just are, you know? Like, there's a yeah. lot of, like, the small acts, even, like, the Disney Channel stars that I'm sure a lot of it was because their parents had money and connections, you know? And not all of them end up being Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. None of them have, in fact. 
And so I feel like, and I feel like a lot of the times people like say that to almost like discredit her talent of like, oh, well, her dad just invested in the record label and that's why she's where she is now. And it's like, yeah, sure. Like there, like you mentioned, there is some privilege to acknowledge that like her Mm -hmm. dad, they were obviously very financially well off, but, but, but from what I understand too, it was a very small percentage one. And then two, like, this is what she created. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it's important to realize that, like, her dad buying stock in Big Machine Records doesn't mean that, that, like, that wrote every song, that made every chart topper, that created every music video. Like, no, he just invested some money in a brand new record label that his daughter had signed with. Maybe he was just like, my daughter's good enough that this thing's going to be huge and yeah. I want to invest some money in the machine, like the the machine, the record well, company yeah. <laughs> that is helping her out. Like, totally. That's kind of how rich parents think, I feel like, like from everything I know about them is they're just like, oh, well, we're affiliated, so I'm going to dump some money in this. That's just kind of how it is. Um, I don't think it was like a, if you don't buy this many things, then we're not going to sign We're her. shelving your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, she had to have enough talent that they signed her in the first place. No record label yes. is going to, like, sign some random person just because their dad is willing to donate some money. So Absolutely. Yep. I agree. And here's the truth is, is even if that was the case, there are so many artists and so many acts that record labels will push that just don't catch on. So, you know, like that's not a given for success. There has to be something about the artist yeah. that speaks and connects with people. Like, no, exactly. You can throw as much money at it, and if it's not clicking, then it's not clicking. So, yes, there we go. First criticism checked as false. Nope. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There we go. We are just disproving all of the Taylor Swift <laughs> things right now. Okay, anyways, so in this era, though, she released Tim McGraw, which was her very first single. That was mm-hmm. in 2006. It became a top 10 hit on the country charts. And then later that year in October, she released her debut, Taylor Swift, which went on to sell more than 5 million copies. This is so nuts. First single is a top 10 hit. First album sells 5 million copies. I know. Oh, so man. just insane. I mean, and I know there was a lot of hits on that song. I mean, that album. Mm-hmm. Our song, Teardrops on My Guitar, yeah. Should Have Said No, Picture to Burn. Like, there's just so many, like, classic yes. Taylor Swift And, songs. like, we all were playing those on repeat oh. back then. Yeah. That was, like, Teardrops on My Guitar, I think, was the first Taylor Swift song I heard that I was just like, who? <laughs> like, what? I had a crush on a boy named Drew. <gasps> at the you time didn't yeah That's and so, so it just like made it even more um <gasps> yeah so my dream was to always like have a crush on a boy that like taylor swift used their name in a song yeah, because i just needed that pretty great he wow. was a very cute boy named drew was he the reason for the teardrops on your guitar, Stani? Well, if I played the <laughs> guitar, then maybe. <laughs> the teardrops on my piano keys. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> okay, cool. So there's the beginning of Taylor Swift. Now, Fearless came out in 2008. I love Fearless. Oh, it's such it's a good one. Such a classic. Um, Some key things from Fearless. So... 
Fearless obviously went on to do very, very well. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, like, by that point, she, like, won, like, all these, like, huge country awards that, like, you know, she had just started. And she pretty much just, like, won everything she could in country, I feel. <laughs> Maybe not that by that point. Maybe it was, like, later and Speak Now in Red. But that's yeah. just how I always perceived it. But basically, Fearless, she won Album of the Year at the Grammys for Fearless. And at the time, she was the youngest artist to ever do so. Now Billie wow. Eilish is the youngest just but last still year. but yeah wow. she kept that record for 12 years wow. yeah and Billie eilish is awesome so we will oh, yeah. happily let her totally i love Billie eilish that's crazy though if you go back and like watch her speech of her accepting it she's just so cute mm-hmm. <laughs> like this cute little 19 year old just losing her mind and also like her country accent that just like went away eventually makes Mm -hmm. me think that she was kind of just faking it for that time period to like yeah appeal to her country playing it up a little bit i mean she's not waltzing around in cowboy boots anymore either so no but she also didn't grow up in nashville so i'm Mm -hmm. like where did this country accent come from taylor but if anything it just shows like i'm not accusing her of being fake i'm accusing her of being smart yeah she's playing to her audience totally i think one of the craziest incidents i feel like that really brought her to the attention though was Mm -hmm. um during the fearless era she also won um best female video for you belong with me at the vmas yep which you cannot deny is a fantastic music video. I love that music video so much, even still. And it's still iconic. I think I see TikToks every once in a while that are recreating mm-hmm. the little like, you okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like that's still a reoccurring meme. Like mm-hmm. the you okay this. Uh-huh. Yeah, like it definitely deserved it. But um, Kanye West um, got up and it was the whole like i'm gonna let you finish taylor but beyonce had the best music video and taylor's just standing there with her mouth open like what's happening like an awkward young girl who has this like older successful man yeah step in front and be like you don't deserve this Mm -hmm. which when you watch the miss americana documentary i feel like it totally puts it in a perspective because like she, like she talks about how at the time she thought that everyone booing who was actually booing Kanye they thought they were booing her mm-hmm. and like she talks about the fact like that can be a super like formative experience and I was thinking like yeah like to be on a stage and like everyone you feel like everyone is booing you like yeah that's like the worst feeling I can imagine like especially Mm -hmm. in such a huge setting um yeah like you're talking in front of a million people your brain is kind of pumping faster and the adrenaline is so high like you can't process things exactly the same and so Mm -hmm. it would be traumatizing like yeah so traumatizing to think that you had just won this amazing award and then like it's like the highest high of like yeah you won the award and i think she was like the first country act to ever win that award wow so like that was already yeah. a huge stepping stone and then like like i said from the high high to the low of like mm-hmm. this is humiliating you know yeah and it was kanye west like mm-hmm. he's a big deal now he was a big deal then like kanye has been a big deal for a while and yeah. to have like a celebrity that you know that everyone knows who it is 
mm-hmm. get up and like tell you you don't deserve something in front of a bunch of people totally. with the whole crowd booing that you think is for you that would be awful horrible absolutely i know and also too like kind of like how you talked about he pretty much said like oh you don't deserve to be here and Mm -hmm. in that documentary she talks about the fact that from that moment it was like okay I have to prove that I deserve to be here and I feel like that you can see that so much Mm -hmm. through like the next three eras of her life of her just being like I need to prove this like yeah you know I'm proving that I belong here that I'm good enough that I deserve the things that I have Mm -hmm. definitely I also, a side note, I think it's important to mention Beyonce did not agree with what Kanye did. Oh, yeah. And, and she actually let Taylor finish her acceptance speech at a later time and was yeah. very nice about it. Um, well, I'm pretty sure, too, that Beyonce actually did win the video of the year that year. So it's interesting to me that, like, Taylor Swift won, won the subcategory for that year of best female video you know yeah but then Beyonce went on later that night to win a bigger award and I might be remembering it wrong so anyone who's listening if if I'm lying call me out but I'm pretty sure that's how it happened so that's just like I'm like wait what why (laughs) (laughs) and I think Kanye came out and said later that he had had like too few like drinks too many Mm -hmm. a few too many drinks and like was a little bit loopy or whatever so I don't know yeah but I feel like that obviously started like a media just storm, you know, mm-hmm. surrounding Taylor Swift and everything, which, as we will talk about later, leads some people to say that that is what I mean, in a way, it kind of was like, I feel like that maybe brought people to like that brought Taylor Swift to the attention of people who didn't really recognize it before. But it did not make her famous and I will yeah. not accept that. <laughs> no, I think she was already there. Like, I think it's I mean, important. her album had already yeah. sold a million mm-hmm. records, right? And she had won, like, mm-hmm. album of the year that year. So I think it's important to realize, like, she was already famous. Like, and already very successful. <laughs> yeah. And yes, did this kind of, like, give her a lot of talk show interviews and stuff? Yeah. But she was mm-hmm. also the youngest artist at the time to win album of the year. There's no saying, like... Maybe she would have had that same thing happen. Yeah. For totally. just that. Like, you can't. We talked about this kind of in the Maria Animotes art episode. You can't mm-hmm. pin someone else's talent and fame on somebody else and say that, like, they caused it or they were the incident yeah. of it. There's too many factors. And yeah. when it comes down to it, like, we are all successful because of the things that we do. Yeah. And I think leaving everyone else out of it is important because, like, you can't control what anyone else does. Exactly. I <laughs> completely agree. Mm-hmm. So, no, she's not famous because of the Kanye incident. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but it was a very – it's a part of her story. And yeah. everything that happened is a part of her story into mm-hmm. how she became Taylor Swift. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. So – Today, instead of doing our normal um, artist spotlights, we decided to be, we thought it'd be fun to talk about our Spotify wrapped, mm-hmm. or wrapped Spotify, whatever, Spot- 2020 wrapped. That's what it is. Yeah. So <laughs> the one problem with mine is so this year I've let my little brother use my Spotify 
for like when he goes on hockey tournaments or trips we kind of have an agreement where I'm like if I see you're on and I need to use it you're getting kicked off and you can't whine about it but you're allowed to use it whenever I'm not using it so because of that my top one my top songs is um a disaster um (laughs) juice world is one of my top artists which i've never listened to a song by juice world but apparently my little brother listened to him a lot so interesting what do you know yeah so so i'll tell you the things though that i can yeah talk about did it tell you how many new artists you listen to um let me check i listened to 813 artists this year wow but that's the thing. I think a lot of them are, it's like two, it's, that's the amount for two people. Okay. Kind of. Cause that's cool. also my little brother's numbers. So that's kind of the one <laughs> thing that I feel like it's not a very accurate portrayal because two people are using this account. No, but that's cool. It told me I discovered 280 new artists this year and I was like, that's, that's a lot. Cool. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah. I, I was know. very impressed. Part of me like wants to kick off my little brother now. Just so that t- my 2021 wrapped will be accurate. <laughs> but I feel like that's a silly reason to do it. But I was still sad. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. But in just so appropriate for this episode, I was in the top 0.5% of Taylor Swift listeners. Nice. Which I posted it on my story and someone responded back saying that they were the same, which means we were the top 190,000 of everyone who's listened to Taylor Swift this year. Holy cow. So... I was in that number. I saw someone that was in the top like 0.1%, which I was shook. I've also seen a couple screenshots of people who are in the top 0.05%, which is also crazy. But, you know, wow. I spent 6,170 minutes listening to her this year. So, holy cow. There's my claim to fame. And Cardigan was my top, top song of the year. Nice. Yep. <laughs> my top artist, though, beyond juice world and Baby, which is courtesy of my 15 year old brother <laughs> was taylor swift and then lady gaga lady gaga's album chromatica i love i love it so that makes sense that she's my number two nice. but also i was kind of surprised that number four was selena gomez huh i was like oh i guess i really i listen like the rare album i've seen pretty people critique it of like it's not personal it's just like other people's pop songwriting which is like, I love good pop songwriting. And so like, I don't care. All the great pop songwriters wrote those songs. And that's why I love it is because that's kind of my whole thing. That's so awesome. love Selena Gomez album. And I guess I loved it so much that she was my number four artist of the year. Wow. Which was surprising to me. So my top artist of the year was Quinn XC11. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what number that is <laughs> I, I have no idea but i know who you're talking about <laughs> I, I was in the top two percent of their listeners this year um wow. yeah i love him he has a really great album that came out this year that probably bumped that up because i listened to it on repeat for like three weeks i need to listen to it i haven't yeah i'm i'm a huge podcast listener so um mm. like it said i was at like over fifty thousand minutes listening to yeah. podcasts this year so I'm a really big podcast person. I don't really sit down and listen to like a lot of music all the time, um, yeah. which is something that like I want to do more of, but I I don't. <laughs> I didn't do it as much this year. I really only listened to music when I was driving, which truthfully wasn't a lot because of this year. Yeah. And it wasn't a lot of driving. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a lot of driving. So 
honestly one of my goals for 2020 is to actually like listen to more people and like just sit down and like listen to music no when i drove to my doctor's appointment the other day i put folklore on because i knew that we were Mm -hmm. doing this part of the episode and i was just like wow it is nice to like sing along to music in the car like i don't do that very often anymore Mm -hmm. but i enjoyed it um but if you haven't listened to quinn go check him out i know it's a guy but (laughs) his music's really good um my favorite yeah i spent 470 minutes listening to quinn this year so wow obviously i really enjoyed his music and then my other top artists um second was taylor swift um which was cool it was probably single-handedly folklore that bumped that up yeah because <laughs> i actually own her cds so if i listen to her it's usually on a cd and mm-hmm. not streaming but folklore didn't have a physical copy come out so mm-hmm. that bumped it up um third is marina bless her heart and soul <laughs> i know i, love I adore marina. marina i will literally i have a playlist that just has all of her albums on it i think and i just like yeah. hit shuffle and like let it go i love it's her music so good. it's so good um and then bleachers are another band that i listened to and hansen which i actually don't know what song i listened to of hansen so many times to make them my number five but i guess but i listened to them a lot because they're my number five artists so i'm kind of like now i need to check actually and see (laughs) yeah because i'm i was really curious about that all right now back to the show so then the speak now era i feel like is a huge encapsulation 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 is that how you say that word it doesn't matter encapsulating encap it's very encapsulating (laughs) (laughs) i think that's right yeah okay (laughs) of taylor swift and like how she responds to the haters because speak now was completely self-written and i don't know i think i remember her saying in the past that at first that wasn't intentional but then i think it became intentional because a huge criticism of her with fearless and her other album was that she's not really writing the songs and if it and she's or they're only good because she has the amazing nashville songwriters in the room with her oh gotcha right which is funny because didn't she write a lot of the earlier songs like when she was in high school i know like a couple of them yeah or from when she was in high school so it's uh, whatever it's fine whatever whatever <laughs> but I think a lot of the people in an attempt to discredit what she was doing is like oh these songs are only good because she's surrounded by the amazing Nashville songwriters who are in the room with her and they're actually kind of carrying the weight like they're mm. doing it and she's just chiming in so with the speak now album she was like no 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 like let me yeah. show you and here's the truth like because of that there's a lot more like five minute songs and a lot more like it doesn't follow like maybe the conventional song like ways that you would try to make songs like radio friendly or mm-hmm. chart friendly in those certain ways. But I mean, Speak Now was a little bit low on my list, but let's just be clear here. Speak Now got me through my teenage years yeah. and there are some songs that even now are is some of her best writing, I feel. Uh, yeah, like, I mm, Sparks Fly love it i sang sparks fly at my eighth grade talent show oh cute. that was my performance debut <laughs> back to december is still oh, phenomenal still so good last kiss enchanted oh man the story of us that oh, one is yeah so good long live 
Mm-hmm. Like, these are low on our list because there's just so many other ones. Not because yes. they're bad. Exactly. <laughs> and also, too, I think, and another way that she, like, kind of responded to haters, I guess, right, is mean. The song Mean was pretty mm-hmm. much written as a response to the fact that it's like a mean critic who criticized her singing. And I'm pretty sure on like a Grammy and the Grammys or it was another award show that she sang and performed at. Her performance was not great. I think there was problems with her pitch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, somebody criticized her and was like, oh, she's really not that good. It's all she's like a industry plant or whatever. Right. So then yeah. she wrote mean about him, which fun fact mean went on to win the best country song at the grammys later so Mm -hmm. and is also another phenomenal music video oh i love it yeah i think that's another criticism taylor swift gets a lot is like Mm -hmm. she can't sing yeah um which is she the most talented vocal performer in the entire world no like (laughs) come on guys like no we're not pretending that but I think it goes to show that there's a lot more to being a successful musician than just having like amazing vocals like there's a reason not every single Broadway singer out there who can like sing five million octaves Mm -hmm. is like a chart topper um I don't think like vocal talent and like range or whatever is always like the top thing that you need to like be looking for in an artist otherwise rap wouldn't do so well yeah Um, (laughs) because they're not singing (laughs) well and to be a little bit personal for a second here like I super appreciate that about Taylor Swift because Mm -hmm. personally like my singing voice is something I personally can get really insecure about because I don't have the five octaves and like my thing isn't so much that like I can bell or I can do the crazy runs or I can, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better, but you know, like that's not my thing, but I do feel like with my voice, I can portray the songs I write and I can Mm -hmm. tell the stories that I write with my songs that even if I don't have the voice that I feel like people, you know, think is successful or whatever, or like big, I feel like there's ways that it could be good enough. And for in a way, like I think as a young girl, Like, I looked up to Taylor Swift so much because I was like, I don't have the best singing voice. I feel like I, I mean, I did. Like, I could match pitch. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm a bad singer. I know I have some natural ability here. But, like, I could look to Taylor Swift of, like, you know what? Like, I kind of have a quieter voice. I have maybe not the crazy big voice. But neither does Taylor Swift. And Mm -hmm. she can be successful. And and it's just because she can connect with her audience and tell stories. And so there was, like, that camaraderie of, like, if she can do it, I could do that. And, yeah. And so I appreciate that about Taylor no, Swift. No, I don't I think too. that discredits her. And I think there's something to it. Like, everyone can sing a Taylor Swift song. Yes. Um, Which is like, we could do a whole other episode on how people are stupid about pop music. And they're like, it's trash. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of it is appealing to the mass audience. Like, you're creating yes. music that everyone can connect with. That's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not very many people can say that they wrote a song that like the entirety of the teenage girl population was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what pop music is about. And so I think by having a more approachable voice, not a bad voice, she has an amazing voice, but more approachable. Totally. Is like very humanizing and like yeah. is part of the appeal like you can sing along to a taylor swift song note Mm -hmm. for note 
I can't do that with a lot of other artists. Like, yeah. I'll sound like a dying cat if I try to sing along to a lot of other artists. <laughs> so I think that goes to show that that's why, like, that's a part of why she was successful is that she doesn't have the vocal range and, mm-hmm. like, capabilities of a lot of other artists. But that's not why she's successful. successful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, part of it. Like, Mm -hmm. she didn't need to in order to get where she is. Totally. And also, too, as a transition, I feel like the Speak Now era is, like, when she really dived into that personal songwriting. Because, like, Dear John, that was a response to her relationship with John Mayer, right? Mm -hmm. And you could feel that. And then there's... Literally puts it in the title. Yeah. (laughs) I know. And, like, back to December, we all Mm -hmm. knew was about Taylor Lautner. And Innocent was a direct response to Kanye West. Like, yeah. and she doesn't try to hide it. Like, she, like in the, li- the line is like 32 still growing up now. Kanye mm-hmm. West was 32 at the time that he interrupted her. Like, and I think that just like, it was just the beginning of, mm-hmm. and I think also too, though, that was the beginning of the narrative of like people being like, oh, what is Taylor Swift songs about? And like that kind of media storm mm-hmm. of like being obsessed with who she was dating because of who, how personal and open she was with yeah. the songs she was writing. Yes, exactly. And obviously, Speak Now was a wicked success. Oh, it debuted it at so number good. one on Billboard, <laughs> sold more than a million copies in its first week. So, like, good on you, Taylor Swift. Yes. Killed it as which usual. One was, I didn't talk about this, but which one was Love Story on? Fearless. Okay. Just a moment of appreciation for that song. Just a moment of appreciation. <laughs> I know for we're Love past Story. that, but like. Oh my gosh, what a it's good It's so one. good. Classic. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so After Speak Now is Red, mm-hmm. which is the transitional period and also the straight hair and bangs. Because oh my gosh. That's that's how Taylor Swift brands herself. She grew which up here. inspired me to cut my hair, and I actually had bangs yes. and straight hair for all of high school. Yeah. Yeah. And it was because of Taylor Swift, so there you go. Yep, and the red lipstick kind of became her trademark here, too. Oh, yeah. Let's, yep, killed it. So, fun things here about the Red Era. She worked with tons of different songwriters and producers here. She worked with, like, the best pop producer of all time, Max Martin Shellback, who just, if you don't know who that is, they're, like, pretty much the producers behind Britney Spears, NSYNC. NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys? I can't remember. I don't know. Look up Max Martin. You will see literally like so many huge pop songs. And he helped her with I Knew You Were Trouble. And I think that started the collaboration with them, which became even hard. Like 1989 is a lot with Max Martin and Shellback. So that relationship ended up becoming super important. Oh, and she also did We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together with them, which was her first number one on Billboard for singles. Mm -hmm. So love that song i remember when that song came out and i was just like oh my gosh what is this i don't know what that voice was i just came up with it but oh my gosh red has some of my favorite songs of all time all too well come on Um, guys yeah (laughs) like let's just be honest here lyrical masterpiece oh my gosh it's like the phenomenal amount of times i Sobbed into my pillowcase as a teenager crying about my high school boyfriend. 
like only that song could do it yeah only that song oh it's so freaking good Mm -hmm. um also 22 i feel like every single person who turns 22 puts i'm feeling 22 she turned 22 into an like i was so stoked when i turned 22 i know because of taylor swift um the lucky one this song gets slept on a lot i love that song there's a lot of like historical reference in it too she has like a really great narrative it's really similar to me for um the last great american dynasty and the lucky one i love when she does stuff like that it's like some of my favorite taylor swift songs is when she takes someone else's story and turns it into a song yeah and also wasn't your high school twitter handle not the lucky one because of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes it was i have kind of adopted like that whole little thing Mm -hmm. and it's still scattered throughout my social media of like the lucky one is kind of everywhere i love that song it's so good also i mean i knew you were trouble like that's that's one of my favorite obviously that's a little basic but i knew you were trouble and like state of grace treacherous such a good one holy ground i think holy Mm -hmm. ground is one of my all-time favorite taylor swift songs begin again there's just so many good ones so many good ones on that album i know like one of the criticisms of red is that like it is so all over the place but i feel like the fact that it's supposed to be about like that tumultuous relationship Mm. it just works and it's so great i just loved it i just yeah red I don't know. I kind of like it when albums have more variety. And I feel like yeah. Taylor Swift does a really good job of that. And a lot of other mm-hmm. artists, they don't really feel that way. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't really need every album to, like, be cohesive and mm-hmm. perfect. Like, sometimes it's more fun for it to be kind of everywhere. And I feel like maybe that says yeah. something about more of that transition for her than totally um, than anything else. So. I love that album. I do too. And also, Red was the transitional period to 1989. Mm-hmm. And something to acknowledge. So Red lost the Gra- Red lost the Grammy for Album of the Year that year. And to someone like Taylor Swift, who I feel like the Grammys are very very important to, just because I feel like she definitely has that whole like, she really liked that outside praise, right? And mm-hmm. so. She definitely really cared about the Grammys, which I'm not criticizing. I get it. Yeah. Um, she wants validation that she's doing yes. well in her career. That's, totally. Yeah. Yes. And maybe like for her own mental health, like that's something she's worked on. But yes. So anyway, so, so Red lost the Grammy that year and she talks. She's told she's told the story. She goes home that night, pretty much just like distraught. Right. And then wakes up in the middle of the night and was like, I'm going pop the next album. It's called 1989. Mm-hmm. And here comes lit, like the biggest, most successful era of her career. Yeah. Didn't she get like a lot of people telling her like, don't do a full pop album. Yeah. Tons. Mm-hmm. And it like in like our notes here, like there's like little bullet points for each like <laughs> era, but then 1989 is like okay here's this huge paragraph of like yeah. everything that happened here <laughs> it was a big time period for her <laughs> time period okay yeah. so let me just say so in the year so in a time of low album sales because this is when streaming was starting to take over 1989 
sold 1.2 million copies in its first week. Two of so, those were us. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> two of them were us. <laughs> Ditching high school. We were part of it. So, yeah. So she was the first artist to top the 1 million mark in opening week sales for three albums. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. Yeah. I feel like this is also when she started making her albums like more of a thing, like the physical album where she like wanted to make it worth it to go and buy it. it. Yeah. And um, she did the Polaroid photos in this Mm -hmm. one. So which I think just goes to show how much of a genius businesswoman she is because Mm -hmm. she could recognize and her, her yeah like she recognized like okay people aren't buying physical albums anymore so i have to give my listeners a reason to go buy the physical album yeah and ever exactly. since then she's done that mm-hmm. like she has an exclusive thing that comes with the physical copies yeah that make you want to buy it i think like people don't realize a lot of the times like you buy music more for the experience experience than anything mm-hmm. else and i feel like taylor swift gets that like vinyl yes. is still being sold so obviously like yeah things aren't completely lost but like what can you do to like make it so that it's worth it for them to go get a cd when it's just like online yeah and she found it she cracked that and it's worked every time i think since then she mm-hmm. sells a lot of physical copies of music yeah especially considering that like nobody else really does anymore mm-hmm. so yeah and they're yeah. beautiful if we want to just talk about the yeah. design of them they're all conceptually and like just really well done very well mm-hmm. done. so totally other big things that happened in 1999 so shake it off bad blood and blank space all hit number one on billboard so three mm-hmm. number one singles in the 1989 era also I feel like this is kind of when I think she became even more of a tabloid where her feud with Katy Perry kind of was like a thing. And everyone kind of was like, oh, that's what song Bad Blood's about. It's about Katy Perry and her squad. Right. Of Mm -hmm. like all of her friends. And like she definitely wanted to, I think, put herself as like, I'm the girl with all the friends and like the parties. And I'm, you know, which isn't bad per se but like i think that brought a lot of um criticism you know of like i don't know personally when i go back and watch interviews of taylor swift during the 1999 era i feel like it wasn't as genuine yeah as i get that vibe Mm -hmm. and i feel like it maybe was a little bit manufactured which is why it was so successful but that's the one thing yeah. I will say about the 1999 era. I will say she wasn't my favorite person during this time yes. period. Like, especially looking back, um, I feel like a lot of the focus was on her and her Victoria's Secret model friends and, like, her parties, like you said, and, like, all of that. And it was just kind of less approachable and, like, yeah. human. Because it's, like... <laughs> I don't have a group of friends that are all looking like Victoria's Secret <laughs> models and <laughs> like yeah. uh, all are gorgeous and like throw huge parties and no. Um, but I think it's important to realize that like the genius of the music is still there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Even though she was obviously like going through something. <laughs> yeah. So. That's kind of what I feel like this was a time yeah. that 
she was like, I need to be the most successful and I'm the most successful and mm-hmm. I deserve it, which she did deserve it. But you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like maybe there was that disconnect as to why people loved her in the first place, which was like mm-hmm. the fact that she felt like, like, you know what I mean? Like on stage, like it's, it feels like she's talking right to you. And yes. Like, and all of that. I don't know. I, I love no, her exactly. though. Exactly. So Same. during yeah, love her. <laughs> Feel bad even saying, but you're right. 1989 ter- era was my least favorite Taylor Swift, but not because, not because I'm against her. Yeah, but it's just still my favorite album. So that yeah, just goes to show you, like, <laughs> it's such a good album. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of the beginning, though. I think a lot of people kind of got that feel and sense of Taylor Swift, and I so. Kanye West, he releases a song called Famous, and one of the lines is, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that be famous. Yeah. I made her famous. Controversial. The song came out, and everyone was like, oh my gosh, I bet Taylor Swift is pissed, right? But then Kanye West says, no, I called her, and I told her about it, and it's approved. It's totally fine. And everyone was like, oh, okay. But then Taylor Swift says, no, I did not. I did not approve that. I did not. I never heard that full song. Never, never heard it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then it was kind of like he said, she said, right? So then in that time, though, is the Grammys. She won album of the year for 1989. And she was the first woman in history to win this award twice, which is amazing. During her acceptance speech, I need to, I'm going to read a portion of it because I Mm -hmm. just think it's so great. But also this, I think, plays a huge part in her eventually being canceled. So she says, I want to say to all the young women out there, there are going to be people along the way who will try to undercut your success or take credit for your accomplishments or your fame. And when she said it, she was like, or your fame. And I was like, yeah, you go Taylor Swift. I remember watching this live and crying. It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But if you just focus on the work and don't let those people sidetrack you someday, when you get where you're going, you'll look around and you will know that it was you and the people who loved you, who put you there. And that will be the greatest feeling in the world, which I just love that. I Mm -hmm. feel like she really talked about all the things that people criticize her for. But because she put that in little thing about people will take credit for your fame, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian put on her Snapchat story a video or well, which we now know was a cut up video (laughs) that did not actually portray the full truth of Taylor Swift being on a phone call with Kanye West and Oh, dear. And this was a terrible night in my life. (laughs) And then, so it pretty much made it seem like Taylor Swift had straight up lied and was just kind of using the feminist agenda to make herself appear more relatable and more of a victim, which I'll admit, yep, it seemed like that. And then Taylor Swift went on Twitter and said, where is the video of me consenting to her being to being called, you know, that bit? It's not there because mm. it doesn't exist. And yeah. 
And and then comes the classic line that she said at the very end is, I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative, which just became a, a, just a thing that everyone made fun of her for. But yeah. then, so then Taylor Swift's over party was trending all over Twitter. Kim Kardashian tweeted like, wait, is it really International Day of the Snake? Everyone was flooding Taylor Swift's comment sections with the snake emoji. Everyone just hated Taylor Swift. Like it was done. I, it was a very terrible day in my life. I'm just going to be honest. I will say I was on my mission when this all went down. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was kind of removed from it a little bit. And, um, I remember getting a letter from you where (laughs) you were, you explained the entire thing and then you were, because I was just like, what's happening? Because I had seen, like, tabloids in the grocery store with, uh-huh. like, um, just, like, Taylor Swift and da-da-da-da-da. But I wasn't, like, actively paying very much attention. No, Obviously, I had a lot going on. Um, but I remember getting that letter from you and you were just like, oh, it kind of looks like she ended up lying. And, like, I don't know. And you were just like, I guess, like, this might be it. Like, I could tell it when you were talking that you were just kind of like this might be the end of taylor swift i was so sad and in that moment too i was like did she lie <laughs> like yeah. what's happening here i was so sad of like this woman gave me my teenage years at that time i was in college for music <laughs> like mm-hmm. i was I was um I was pretty heartbroken. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was weird to read too, because I mm-hmm. like not being there for like any of the stuff. I didn't hear Kanye West's song until I got home, and even then, I only heard the part where he talked yeah. about her. I didn't listen to any of it. Um, but like the whole thing was just kind of crazy because it was just like, oh, like yeah, <laughs> what's happening? Like this doesn't match up with like who we know her to be as a celebrity like mm-hmm. from what we do know so it just seemed really strange um, I know like kind of a little selfish thing though is I actually was kind of grateful for the whole thing because she ended up not releasing an album while I was gone um <laughs> <laughs> she went on her break during the time period that I wouldn't have been able to listen to her music <laughs> so I remember That's like amazing. being kind of really grateful because then uh-huh. i came home and reputation was released that yeah. fall that and fall. i was like thanks for taking a break when i couldn't appreciate your music and releasing one right when i got home thanks that's awesome <laughs> like, yeah that's so, hilarious i don't know i'm always like a little grateful that this whole thing happened just because then i was like but i didn't miss the taylor swift album release <laughs> so, so i didn't have to do with that that's <laughs> Yeah, because then at that point, she pretty much disappeared for three years. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime she came up for air, it was super minimal, not for really anything big. I think she released that song with Zayn during that time. Yeah, the for, one for the Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, right? and I loved yeah. that song, but I think that was the only thing she did. Mm-hmm. She kept super low, under wraps, didn't bring any attention to herself. And um, yeah, as a Taylor Swift fan, that that sucked. I missed her. <laughs> but yeah, she was pretty much gone for like a whole year. Like nobody really saw her, cared about her. Well, mm-hmm. people cared about her. There were people who cared. But you yeah. know what I mean? I think yeah. she definitely had to 
wipe that slate clean. And she literally did. And she literally <laughs> did. She deleted all of her posts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Started posting snake videos. Hey, everyone. We actually um, decided to cut the episode right here and do a part two. Um, turns out we can talk about Taylor Swift a lot longer than just an hour. <laughs> yeah. We figured it'd be better to do part one and part two. So there's not a two and a half hour long podcast episode (laughs) or who knows how long so yes we'll be splitting this up and release it periodically throughout Mm -hmm. the week yes so wait a couple days if you're listening to this date released or if it's already out then congratulations move on to part two and you get to hear the rest of our taylor swift episode yes where we will talk reputation and everything after Mm -hmm. which is the most exciting part i think (laughs) so Tune back in soon.